Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. We're going to play much more man coverage that hurt the Jaguars last year. That was an area of need. We didn't play well in the back end of our defense. And we you got Shaq, you got uh, uh, Tyson, and then you got um, uh, Ray and the safety position of Cisco to add to who we already have. Football at five here on a Monday. As we start to shift our focus to the 2021 season, we're still in evaluation mode of the draft, but after four and a half months or five months, you know there will be a longer stretch of time that we talked about the draft than there will be that we focus on the season. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's just crazy when you think, yeah, that's just me too. I wish you'd have brought happens. that up. That's what happens when you're one in 15. Really? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not going to lie, and I'm going to say something that's going to come across completely the wrong way. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> okay. Of all the advice that you've given me, this is one of the things where if you shouldn't say, you probably shouldn't say it, just to let you know. I thought 1 in 15 was kind of fun. <laughs> hey, Coos, what did I just say to Brent? If you got to think about it. If you hesitate, it, don't jump. Don't say it. And you said it. What, what, what? I didn't say I want it again. I'm just telling you, I thought 1 in 15 was kind of fun. Why? Because this whole process was fun. Well, okay. I mean, the ends or the beginning justify the means, whatever that phrase is, you know, I'm trying to say. Okay, I get that. But having to break the, the doing the wall that says it all, having to do my post, you know, stuff reaction from my house because we couldn't get press box tickets. That's okay. But having to do that every single week and talk about the same things. Yeah, well, defensive line, you know. <laughs> yeah, you have to rush a passer. Gardner Minshew, you know, mistakes, you know, and, you know, got a lot of penalties. Like, it was the Literally, go back and watch my three observations. It was the same video every single week, just different shirts. Okay? So, no, Brent, it wasn't really that fun for me, but I'm glad you had a great time, man. I Good. really feel like, like, one in 13, it started to be fun. <laughs> That's like. Well, it was the exciting part about yeah. maybe getting Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the, but, yeah. And then even the culmination, this was a whole different narrative than we've ever had. Sure. The culmination of it all, the draft coverage was really cool to be just different, right? I mean, it was like when you're the number one pick, like it's kind of like you're in first place of the draft. It was kind of fun. I got you. <laughs> was, I'm not saying See, I want that to happen again. And I think that's kind of what. Maybe that's why to me, again, you got to remember what business we're in, but I think that's why to me it was kind of a cool time because, one, it had never happened in the history of the franchise, and they've been bad uh, quite often. And so there, you look down the road and you're like, okay, well, there, what's the chances this happens again in the next yeah. even decade, mm-hmm. 15 years, 20 years, and now that you have this guy, really what's the chances of it? So, again, it could be a once in a – you hope it's a once-in-a-50-year type of thing, but it genuinely could be for the Jags. I mean, yeah. it, they could go another 25 years without having it, and uh, I just thought the whole thing around it because of the unique nature of it and because Trevor Lawrence was available oh, no, and all that. Yeah, you're having was, a blast, Brendan. I mean, I you're in the middle of Buffalo Wild Wings with some guy on your on your shoulders, <laughs> and you're, you're parading around cheering and everything. It was a great time. It was good. Meanwhile, I'm on social media saying, you know, I don't want the Jaguars to tank and fans taking it the wrong way, and then all of a sudden I'm getting attacked because I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence come here, even though that's not what I said in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Just hey, saying listen. the player's perspective. It's the most tickets they've ever sold at 1-15 in, in the history of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. For sure. Yes, first time. Yeah. I know. I get it. Hopefully the only time. Uh, but I'm glad it, you had fun. 
Uh, <laughs> it was it was different. So anyway, now we focus on the season. Uh, let's uh, focus on Taven Bryan for a moment. Yeah, we don't need to. We've, we've talked about Taven a bunch. But it was interesting to hear Urban Meyer say Taven Bryan, fifth year option, didn't get picked up. Shocker. Stunner. Yeah. But Taven Bryan, Urban Meyer come out and say. We want Urban. Uh, we want uh, Taven Bryan here. Maybe just as much as a shocker. I mean, that was pretty adamant. Say, hey, we're not giving him the option is essentially what he said in the news conference. Mm -hmm. But he did say, we want him part of this team this year. Yeah. We think we can get something out of him. We kind of wondered where the heck do you see him? Like, where's he fit somewhere in here? And I get the hybrid stuff. They might throw, show some four, three looks. But your curiosity has been, where's he playing? Correct. So two things here. You, you can say you want somebody, and I get that, Brent. But what do they always say? Money talks. Yeah. Okay. So not giving him the fifth-year option, what is that saying? Yeah, we value you, but do we value you? Okay, time will tell. Maybe he's got to earn it, so be it. Where do you put Taven Bryan? That's the million-dollar question. And if we go off of what Joe Collins said, you know, he's going to tailor his defense to the guys that he has. I love that. You know how I feel about that. I've spoken that many, very, spoken that many times before. But let's be honest. And I love Taven Bryan. I love him as a person. Um, I love the the drive that he plays with. Obviously, it just comes down to read recognition and refining his skills, which he still hasn't done. But if you're Joe Collin right now and you see all your personnel and you're trying to tailor this defense, you see, okay, we got Miles Jack here. Got to remember that. Okay, Josh Allen. Okay, Caleb on chase on. All right. I mean, you know, maybe. He can... Are you really going to tailor your defense around Taven Bryan? And no. th this, is a, this is a legitimate question. There's no tailoring. No. Okay, so let's keep that in mind then. So, of all the guys that you brought in for your personnel, you know that you got um, you got Jihad Ward that you brought in yourself. You got Harris out of Chicago. You bring in Malcolm Brown. It's got all the characteristics. It has all the symptoms of that three-four defense, and that's kind of what we've established now with Joe Collin um, at his press conference. It's going to be a base three-four defense. Well, with Taven Bryan, we saw him play. A glimpse of that as a big defensive end where sometimes you got a two-gap, right? He was essentially playing Calais Campbell's spot. And how did he do his rookie year? He struggled. Mm -hmm. He sputtered and he struggled. It was a bad now, move. He was out of position. He didn't really have a lot of time to learn that position. So, you know, he was essentially a back against the wall, thrown to the wolves right away. Well, then we, as he progresses now in his career, he plays more three technique. And what do we see? Yeah, sure. Every once in a while we see the glimpse there. We see the get off. We see causing chaos in the backfield. But do we see enough of it from a first round pick? I think the answer would be no, we haven't seen enough of it. Mm -hmm. So now going forward on three, four defense, where do you put him? I mean, the only spot you can put him is in that three, is in that big defensive end spot, two gapping. I'm not confident in him doing that. Um, I think this could be more of just a, a, a situational type play where if it's, you know, third and long, you can pin your ears back. Maybe you throw them out there. Maybe. But once again, if we're talking about the, the pass rush skill set of Taven Bryan, what are we really talking about right now? Right? I don't know if there's a lot to go around. So the bull rush. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't see Joe Collin tailoring the defense to him. I don't see him two gapping. So I'm not sure what Taven Bryan's going to be able to do. I'll be honest with you. I can tell you this. The, the last regime was very frustrated with uh, Taven Bryan. And they spoke very highly of him going into the season as they, well. They love him. But it was August where he looked like, okay, it looks like he's going about to take a step. And yeah. still really nothing yeah. nothing budged from a production standpoint. The, the fans, uh, he's drawn the ire of the fan base. 
uh, really just hasn't delivered hardly anything. Yeah. Uh, when he delivers anything, it's kind of like, wow, it's 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 the sarcastic golf clap, sure. if you will. <laughs> uh, so this is it, though. See, I love when players are in this situation. Like, if I was an organ, I, I thought this is why 17, they did so well. They had so many players that were in show-me years, contract years. It's do or die. You better do it or yeah. you're done. Not just here in Jacksonville, but maybe even in the league. From Smoot, and look what he's been able to do. Yeah. I think you have DJ Chark in here. And by the way, DJ Chark's performed, so I'm not trying to put him in this category. But DJ Chark now is in a contract year. A lot of motivation, right, to, to even have a huge year. Uh, that helps. Cam Robinson, a lot of motivation to have a huge year. So I like when guys are in this situation. I think teams like when they're in that situation, too. And that's why they don't give contracts super early, because yeah. you get a hungry player. Hungry offseason, hungry regular season, and for production. Yeah. So that's why it, we see it all the time, and well, we see it in sports, right? They, they Usually that's some of their best years. Well, the motivation is about as high as you can get to deliver whatever you got in your tank. No, I mean, listen, if you want a second contract, you want to make some money, Taven Bryan understands you. Uh, you have to have a year this year. No ands, ifs, buts, or about it. But let me ask you this, Brent. What does Taven Bryan do well? Uh, uh, I'm being serious because he does things well. I'm asking, what do you think Taven Bryan does well? To, to me, it would be the intensity, it would be the aggressiveness of getting I was going to say, football. I mean, the strength and speed. I mean, his athletic ability is off the charts, according to the people down there. Sure. I mean, Calais Campbell used to tell me that. Yeah. He's like, this guy, man, I mean, he's got that first step yeah. you talk about. He's yeah. got strength, raw, sure. like Wyoming strength kind exactly. of guy. I mean, there's stuff to fall in love with with Taven Bryan. Of course. And what does he struggle on? I would say read and mental. recognition, the mental part. Yeah. So what you're telling me, though, is that we're going to put a guy in now at a 3-4 defense where it's all mental, Brent, because you're getting double teamed every single play, and you got to know, do I go inside yeah. or outside? He's really struggled what, with that. What, what types of blocks are these? Where in a 4-3 defense, you can pin your ears back a little more from a 3 technique and say, okay, this is my gap right here. Don't get reached, and I'm going, and I'm attacking. Now you got to go, okay, this is my gap, and this is my gap. What type of block am I getting? What do I have to do? How do I take on these, this double team and all this stuff? It's a lot more on your plate from a mental perspective. And we both agree that's where Taven Bryan struggles with, at least what we've seen so far. I don't know, man. It's going to have to be a lot of film watch. It's going to have to be a lot of walkthrough. And it's going to be have to a lot of read it and recognition from Taven Bryan. And unfortunately, we haven't seen that. Now, not to say maybe the light finally goes off and he gets that, but he has to do that in a 3-4 defense. You can't just pin your ears back and go. That's not how it works in a 3-4. I've got one last thought on Taven Bryan. I think this is the most fascinating player the Jags have on their roster when it comes to this context. Mm. Urban Meyer saying we don't have bad players. There are not bad players. Mm. with us us as coaches that have to get the best out of those players and if you look at joe cullen you're that's a guy you played for you look at his resume he's gotten the best out of a lot of players he gets a chance to work with Taven bryant you look at urban meyer who preaches that and says and he you know it you know he believes even if he didn't preach it that i'm gonna get the best out of this guy or that guy well Taven bryant is like the poster child for this going into the year Mm -hmm. if they can't get Anything well, out of Taven Bryan, yeah. that does say a lot about Taven Bryan. And by the way, if they do get something out of him, I'm not sure it's a knock against the other coaches from Wash to Marone and everybody else. It just didn't click for him. But I do think it's an interesting study going into this year on Urban and on Cullen, but especially Urban, yeah. who says we don't have bad players. We got to get the most out of those players. We got to put them in position to succeed. 
He's a great example of what they're trying to build here, mm-hmm. and it'll be fascinating to watch what happens with Taven Bryan over the next five or six months. To me, though, Brett, like I said, it's just it's a little disappointing because they're not going to tailor, you know, Joe Collin will tailor his defense to Taven Bryan. And to me, it's a little bit of, of a disappointment just because I feel like he's better suited for a 4-3 defensive tackle more than he is a 3-4 defensive tackle. That's just, that's just how I feel. It's what I've yeah. seen in his skill set. So I get what you're saying here. And they're, they're going to try to milk every tal- uh, ounce of talent out of Taven Bryan. It's just the fact that is he in the best possible scenario to succeed? I would say absolutely not in the 3-4. All right, we'll see what they do with them. But yeah. Taven Bryan, nope. 50-year option, not a surprise. Let's see if they get anything out of Taven Bryan in 2021. Florida Sportsman Fishing Report time with Rick Rouse. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, man. Getting hot out there on the water, isn't it? Oh, it really is. But I tell you what, as long as we waited for this hot weather, I think three weeks of it, we'll be back calling for a cool breeze again. <laughs> Ain't no doubt about that. You know, that uh, that Urban Meyer guy, he's got a little bit to back up that talk about getting the best out of coaches. Frank, consider the best out of players. Consider this. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow are national championship quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, college yeah, game right. a little bit different, but yeah, he's got a he's got a strong resume that says a lot of those players that he got a lot uh, out of, you know. I don't I don't think Chris Leak wins the national championship with too many other coaches, but I may be wrong. Let's talk fishing, something I know a little bit more about, and it was a fine weekend, particularly offshore. The Cobia run is on full bore. Now, there's the manta rays all up and down the beach, and they've got a lot of Cobia on them, but you better watch it because a lot of them are undersized. Steve Proctor said he probably saw 40 or 50 Cobia yesterday. Only a couple of them reached the legal limit. No question about the legal limit for one Brad Reed. He and the guys on the Betabuck won the Northeast Florida Marlin Association Tournament, Captain Daniel Brown, with a – 450-pound blue marlin that they released on Saturday to claim the first place. So congratulations to those boys. The offshore fishing in general is very good. The mahi, uh, a dozen a boat like that. That's about what we expect this time of year. Those are good, solid days. Nothing wrong with that. The beeliners are biting very well. The trigger fish, you get inshore and it gets a little tough. Things kind of flip-flop. The reds were finicky this week. Although there were a number of 26-inch-plus speckled trout caught. Several fish in the 5- to 7-pound range, and that's awfully good to see. I like the way our weather's shaping up, Brent. I really do. I think this week may be the best week of 2021 so far in terms of putting fish on the dock. Awesome stuff, Rick Riles. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 515 on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll be here, and, of course, it'll be brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing. Thank you, Brent. Take care, Austin. You bet. Have a good one. Uh, That is uh, Rick Riles. Make sure you check out the show each and every Saturday, by the way, 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. on ESPN 690. I will say this about Captain Rick's point, though, about Chris Leak. Urban Meyer did do a good job with Chris Leak because keep in mind what happened. Urban Meyer comes from Utah, runs this high-powered spread offense. You have Chris Leak, not the most mobile guy, and he actually actually toned down the offense, what he's accustomed to running, to fit Chris Leak's needs and, and what Chris Leak does best. And what happened? Yeah. National championship. Yeah, and inserted Tebow so, where yeah. needed for that element of the game. Correct. Yeah. So it's a good point by Captain. Yeah, well, I think that's the one. Urban's a smart offensive guy. He's a smart guy to begin with. And yeah. so I think he's not. he doesn't get stuck in cookie-cutter land. No, you know? but 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 you know how it works, man. With offensive-minded coaches, it's their offense, and you, yeah. you've learned you to love it, right? To it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he, 
I think that's been part of him his success is he has the ability to cater it around certain players, especially yeah. uh, that will help. Hey, Jumbo Shrimp season starts tomorrow. They're sold yeah. out of tickets, uh, so that's pretty cool. Remember, it's it's pretty cool time for those guys. They've been down for the last year and change. I mean, mm-hmm. even this season got delayed a month. Last year, it didn't have a season. So uh, good luck to everybody at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp as they open the gates tomorrow on the 2021 season. If you missed it a month ago or so, uh, we are your official station for Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp baseball games. So listen to the first one tomorrow night. Coverage will start shortly after our show at 6.50 p.m. A little pregame into first pitch right around 7 o'clock. And you can win some tickets to Jumbo Shrimp games. Just go to ESPN690.com, the contest page on espn 690.com mm-hmm. i'd ask about the rest of the people in the afc south the yes. houston texans they, they make a pick not until the third round they pick davis mills out of stanford deshaun watson is he just like out of our memory banks right now i mean is this does that speak volumes about what's about to happen potentially to deshaun watson does he play a snap again for Houston? I mean, where is – what did that yeah. one pick, and really well, the only one that caught anybody's attention, say about the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson? I know. Uh, well, it's just so funny, right, because you know how I feel about Texans Twitter. Well, Houston didn't pick in the first or second round, right? Yeah. Okay. So your first chance to, to make an impression, what do you do, Houston Texans? You take Davis Mills quarterback, and obviously the Internet just erupted because now it's, oh, this, so this is a replacement. We're going with David Mills to replace Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, Brent, that's not the case, but that's what people want to say, right? I, I don't know what the, what the case is with Deshaun Watson. All of a sudden, it's Tim Tebow and Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson's an afterthought, it seems like, right? I, I have no idea where everything stands. I haven't heard a lot about it. Um, one could assume all the accusations, but which, which, again, should be taken very seriously. All those that came out, this is going to be tied to litigation for a long time, one would assume. Right, Brent? I mean, if you're talking about 20-plus Yeah, I don't see it ending anytime soon. So, But I also don't see a resolution. So what does that mean? Uh, where is the NFL going to come down on this? See, what happens a lot of times, the teams will have a sense of that before yeah. anybody else has a sense of that. Did the, did the Does Houston have a sense of where this thing is going? Right? You know that works inside you, the building. True, the building true, true. usually knows. Yeah. Uh, I always say this. Even the building had a sense about... As, as awful as it was, even their Aaron Hernandez situation, mm. because like six hours after word started to spread a little bit, he was released. It wasn't like, hey, Good we're going to hang with this guy. We're going to no, see if this is gone. true. Yeah. Or, no, he was gone, which mm. means they had heard significant things, uh, even in that small window of time, true. which, by the way, probably wasn't a small window of time. They'd probably heard a lot over time. Mm. Uh, and that's what happens. Like they, they know stuff. Usually, I wonder if they have a feel for where the Watson thing is going, even if we really don't. I'm sure they have a lot better idea than we do. Um, I don't think, though, them getting, you know, Davis Miles is essentially, you know, Deshaun's not going to be here anymore. I just think it's a failsafe because, I mean, it's it's that important a position. And once again, let's say that Deshaun Watson is found innocent of all these charges, which could take a long time. Well, then who's to say, you know what, Houston, remember when I said I don't want to play for you guys? Yeah, I still want to play for you guys. Yep, I I got off lucky and I didn't get anything charged against me. Fantastic. I'm back playing football. Oh, but by the way, still don't want to play for you guys. So have fun with that. You know, I mean, you have Tyrod Taylor, you have Ryan Finley, and then now you have Davis Mills. So, like, I just feel like that pick right there, that was the failsafe. That was just the in-case pick for uh, for, uh, Deshaun Watson. I almost said Tyrod Taylor, he's Deshaun Watson. 
Whoops. Yeah, and so they have Nico Collins again from Michigan, a receiver. Brevin Jordan, the tight end. He's going to be interesting because the Jags could have had him. Yeah. He obviously lost a lot of luster during the but process. At the same time, though, you already got Pharaoh Brown and Jordan at Aiken, so to me that was a luxury. I don't know. Well, yeah. it doesn't. my point being, Brevin Jordan, he wasn't wowing people. No, he wasn't. A he, lot of people fell. let him go. He so and yeah. it wasn't a deep tight end draft to begin with. True. Uh, Garrett Wallow, uh, uh, inside linebacker, and Roy Lopez. So, again, Houston – Houston is still a mess. Yes. I mean, clear as day. Indianapolis, real quick. Uh, I like Quiddy Pay, probably because he's from Rhode Island. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was a guy that Jag. We talked about this on Friday. Jag, I thought, that guy to the key to the state right now. Yeah, yeah, I thought Titans had actually taken him in my memory bank, but it was is the Colts. Yeah. And that was – I wondered if he was the one that – even Urban was talking about. Turns out it was Kadarius Tony that Urban was talking about, about breaking their heart. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, they pick up a defensive end, tight end, safety. Sam Ellinger, uh, the quarterback from Texas, uh, they brought in as well. Uh, Sean Davis, by the way, is with safety from Florida, mm-hmm. who they who they added. I mean, Indianapolis, I think they're the talk in Indy is, did they get enough on like uh, at left tackle sure. that they were trying to get? No would be the answer. But Indy's still very good. They're a very well-built, constructed roster. I'm not sure how much the draft was going to change my mind either way. Yeah, from you know, from the, the Colts picks, obviously you get two defensive guys right off the gate, two edge two edge rushers essentially. Um, both that you know need to be coached up a little bit, but that's kind of the point, right? Like when you're pretty established on both sides of the ball, you can afford to bring in these maybe these raw guys a little bit, coach them up, and then have you know maybe some Pro Bowl type of dudes. And that's what Indianapolis did, where there was, wasn't a lot of glaring holes. You know, they addressed the tight end position a little bit. But once again, you still have Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox, if you buy into him as well. Yeah, I think the Colts, they, they know they have a good roster. So they said, hey, let's go ahead and take some maybe raw guys that we can coach up and maybe get some pro bowlers out of those guys as well. Uh, one uh, other team to talk about quick, the Titans. They get Caleb Farley. We talked about that on yeah. Friday. Dylan Raddins, a lot of people like this guy, offensive lineman. <laughs> who's, who's like the most Titans pick of all time. North Dakota Just State. Take, take, take a look at the guy. Yeah. Like guy's a Tennessee Titan. Monty Rice uh, from Georgia, a corner, Elijah Molden from Washington. You know his name. Mm-hmm. So interesting to me is they stuck to kind of who they are. They went heavy defense to try to keep getting that defense. Remember, they had no pass rush last year. They can help the pass rush a little bit with the corner, Farley. Mm-hmm. And they probably got good value in Farley, dipping into the early 20s. And um, then on the they get offensive line. I mean, it kind of fits the mo of the Titans what they did in the draft. Yeah, for obviously with Farley, um, it's a great pick if he stays healthy. But yeah. once again, you're, you're taking a little bit of a red flag back, because he's yeah. he got and back issues are nothing to mess with. Brent, I'm sure as any middle aged man who's got a herniated disc can tell you. So um, it is a risk there. But once again, if if those can pay dividends and he stays healthy, yeah, it's going to be a great pick by the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so nobody was like, wow, oh my gosh, they either pulled away or they did this. These are already two pretty good teams, the Titans and the Colts. Uh, Jags got to go catch him. Houston is in the bottom of the barrel right now in terms of projecting their football team. It looks a mess, and yeah. they haven't done anything to clean it up, and it all revolves around Deshaun Watson. Before we hit a break, let's hit the happy hour horn coos here on a Monday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Taste the islands and every drop of Vida de Luis tequila. 100% blue agave. Mexico. Goodbye. It's a celebration. Hey, check out com where you can pick up a bottle of Añejo, Reposado, or Blanco tequila. 
Owned right here by folks in Jack's Beach and brought in from Tequila, Mexico to Jacksonville Beach. Check it out, VitaDeLouis.com. Cinco de Mayo coming up Wednesday. Yeah. We're going to be at uh, Cantina Louis on Monument Road, by the way. I like it. Come on out. I like it, Say man. hello. I like it. Maybe a sample or two of Vita de Louis. Why not? Careful what you got going on after. Bring yeah. some tequila back for me. <laughs> We still got some more here, Coos. Actually, no, we don't. That's gone. We don't, That's we don't right. Coos took that with him, with him to Cancun. That's right. I will say we we were we were trying to do uh, a tequila tasting while we were there. Yep. And I was just like, you know what? Nothing's going to be better than than Vita. So there you go. I, don't, I don't want. Oh, it. That's very good. Steal that endorsement. I was going to say, did you record that? Yeah. That's very good. Oh, you'll that? send that off to him real quick now. Record that? But I agree with you. You're right. It's very smooth. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hope you're doing well here on a Monday. Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all, like, half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you, do you want 100000 extra $100,000? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go. Politics <laughs> when we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. My thought is, is that he never has a guard. You heard him say there, you always have to be on. But on is his normal. But I marvel at the composure. I marvel at the grace. I marvel at the perspective. Because that's perspective I didn't have until I was 40 years old. I wasn't able to process that. Yes, I love being at ESPN. Nobody has more passion for what they do than I do. But I don't want it to define me. I want it to be a platform for kindness. I want it to be a platform for effort and passion. And you and I being able to bring joy to people through programs like this. But I don't want it to define me. I can love it and it not define me at the same time, right? And he already has that. That is Marty Smith on Marty and McGee talking about Trevor Lawrence. And Marty Smith was at Trevor Lawrence's house, of course, on draft night. Uh, I really like Marty Smith. I think he does a terrific He's, job. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an honor to sit with him for a couple minutes at the Florida Georgia yeah, weekend we a couple, couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, just because, like, th- that, that guy, he's different because he's himself. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, sometimes you get in the cookie-cutter, you know, landscape and everything. Like, Marty Smith is unique. He's different. He's got that southern twang, and he's proud of that. And that, that's a really cool thing about Marty Smith. Well, he, he's, uh, he's super genuine. Yeah. In terms of the nature of of being just kind of like a kind soul, you know, I mean, yeah. he really is He's and, a solid dude. And, yeah, so. And, and it comes across uh, on yeah. TV as well. And it, it, he's just, you're right. He's, you, I like him. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Um, you want to have a beer with that guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it's a good person to have at, at uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence's home. Well, not really home, but uh, in Clemson, South Carolina for the draft mm-hmm. party, of course. Uh, Maybe you should have got a little Southern accent. You could have been there yourself. <laughs> You blew it. I should be a little kinder soul. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you have a chance. <laughs> I feel you're a pretty kind soul, but I don't know about that. Maybe. Man. You're, a, Maybe. you're a nice dude, man. I don't know. I mean, I was on Marty McGee and McGee last yeah, weekend. I mean, does that count for something? I think I, th- I think they'll bring the, the, the kind souls on that show. They're not bringing any kind of you know riffraff. I wasn't on there for sure, so yeah, it's all good. It's well, they, good they weren't asking me there. Uh, we haven't even talked a lot, Trevor Lawrence, today. Crazy. Talked a lot about him on Friday and for the last five months. Yeah. Now what? Mm. Right? Now mm-hmm. what? For Trevor, we, we said I mean, this a little bit, right? Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's, he's kind of took he took care of a lot of that stuff. I feel like he's about to flip to football again. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what my sense is. That, okay, we, we talk about, like, hey, get in the locker room, get the offseason conditioning, you know, yeah. get acquainted with the building and the and 
plays. So that's going there's a little acclimation process, but uh, I think I would imagine based on his skill set, talent, history, trends, idol of Peyton Manning, <laughs> I believe this guy's going to just get himself swamped into that quarterback room mm. as quick as possible. Uh, I don't know what that actually looks like and means, if I'm being completely honest. But the playbook he's already had a little bit of a sample of, and who knows, he might have even had more of the sample of it than anybody even knows mm-hmm. over these last couple of weeks. Heck, it could even be a couple of months. Jags knew they were going Trevor Lawrence in February. So well, probably in December, but they really knew in February. Uh, I wonder what that looks like now for him, uh, this this march toward the rookie year. How do you speed things up without being too crazy about it, but at a good pace? Because he's going to be the day one starter. Yeah, I think, obviously, first and foremost, make sure that shoulder is 100%. True. Even though it's your non-throwing shoulder, it's still, you know, obviously you got to do what you got to do there. And then when it is 100%, to me, it's about building that rapport with the wide receivers now. Right, because it's one thing to be a great quarterback, and that's fine, but you still have to build that relationship, the, the timing, all that stuff with your wide receivers, and that takes place in the off season. That takes uh, place long be long before training camp actually gets underway. So I assume maybe some you know private workouts, things like that, with some of his wide receivers, you know, and he just starts building the chemistry, which is so important, and then he goes from there. Well, and I think again, there's going to be something I, I think is important to bring up a couple of times, several times, uh, remind people. That one of the reasons I believe Urban Meyer has Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer is because he's a guy that's worked with these franchise QBs before. Those are guys that have worked with franchise QBs before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking Russell Wilson, you know, with, with Bevel. He knows what that's like to come in and transition. And by the way, Wilson was not a guy with expectation that first year, but he won the job in camp and became the starting quarterback over Flynn, who was was given the big contract. He made some big-time bucks, right? yeah. So these are guys that know have experience around this kind of player. Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily this kind of person or a guy with this skill set. Everybody's different in that sense. But this kind of player, how the franchise should treat him. And they've had success with it, too. Mm-hmm. See, that's good. Like, that's a track record of success and uh, how you get the best out of him. You can go to Matt Stafford. I think Stafford's a little bit different in this case with Bevel because, again, Russell Wilson, it was like a day one type of thing. Uh, Stafford, obviously, pretty well established, but he still got to work with an extreme talent. So I think that part of this setup in Jacksonville fascinates me. And it's really like my, my vision is, okay, it's Urban and Trevor, it's Urban and Trevor. But I think in the belly of that stadium, in the belly of Jags headquarters, I, I just have this vision of Schottenheimer, Lawrence, and, and Bevel doing a lot of work, man. Yeah, <laughs> like going yeah. to work, like walking down the hall to the lunchroom together. You know, no, it's, inside the meeting room, inside the film room, yeah. inside the playbook. It's those three guys that are going to be attached at the hip, in my opinion. I don't know if that's true, but that's no, why I visualize it's, it's it. It's definitely going to be a collective. You know, obviously we say Urban Meyer all the time just because the only reason why he's really in Jacksonville as the head coach is because of Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence means that much to him and his NFL career. So, yeah, it'll be Urban Meyer attached to Trevor Lawrence. But, no, I I completely agree with you. You look at a guy that essentially started from the ground phase of Russell Wilson and, and helped build him up to where he is today. Why wouldn't you want that resource to help with Trevor Lawrence? Why why wouldn't you want that brain to help bounce ideas and, and bounce off questions with? So that, that brain will be there. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. All right, I got one for you. Any surprise – Gardner Minshew is still on the roster and the draft has ended? Mm, good question. 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, because when you bring in C.J. Beathard, the writing's on the wall. So why you didn't try to get something for him? Maybe you asked too much. I think a fourth would have been fair. So I am a little surprised. I, I'm a little surprised the teams didn't call inquiring about Garner Minshew, let's just say. I mean, and maybe they did. They, but once we again, know, right? Yeah, we don't know. I've got to believe there have been talks. I, I, I think it was what was the early one when, uh, like, Chicago. Remember Chicago was kind yeah, of rumored, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, i got to be honest. I'm a little surprised Gardner Minshew is still on the roster. I think there was that narrative that I don't know where it came from, whether it was the Jags or his camp or whatever, mm-hmm. to say, hey, Minshew's kind of being shopped. Yeah, that could have. We said that at the time it could come from the Jags. It could because it's real. It could come from uh, Minshew's camp because he wants out. Mm-hmm. It could come from other teams just inquiring. So there's we don't know where the origin of that is, but that was a narrative there for a little bit here in town and, and around the National Football League. Now you just said it. You look at a team that has Trevor Lawrence and undeniably going with Trevor Lawrence. Yes, and then you look at a team uh, that has. C.J. Beathard for two years, $5 million, they invested it. Like, Correct. they went and got him. Mm-hmm. They didn't just have him. They went and got him. Yes. And they have Jake Luton, who they just spent a pick on, and he's got some of the measurables and things that people, like, in this business kind of like, you know? Yeah. Like, in their in that football world, they like some of the things Luton has, and you can kind of keep him on the roster almost risk-free for the time being. Yeah. And then you have Gardner Minshew who, again, is a very affordable contract, Mm -hmm. who comes with some good experience, a lot of good experience. Mm -hmm. But you don't know if he's happy or is he unhappy. Does he really want to be here? Should he be here? I don't know. If if you're Gardner Minshew and you're happy, then something's wrong with you, man. Yeah, that's true. I'm not faulting No, no. I'll be honest. I hope he's not happy right now. I hope that he saw C.J. Beathard coming in and it's like, hey, what the hell, man? Okay, so... I don't think Gardner Minshew is the most happy right now, and, and, and he shouldn't be happy because I, I think this guy can definitely still play in the NFL. I think he's at least, you know, he's built up the resume to say, I can go be a backup someplace else for sure. Now, they go C.J. Beathard. It is what it is. So be it. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I am just a little surprised, though, because what does Gardner Minshew give you now going forward if you're Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, what, what, what does he do for your team? Does he does he run a crazy scout team period? Okay. Like, I, and I'm not saying like you're doing him a disservice and you're not doing him a favor by keeping him, but really, I feel like you could definitely get a fifth round pick for him, or and then hopefully a fourth. Like, is that crazy to think, Brent? Isn't that obvious? Uh, I don't think you get a fourth round pick. No. I, what, I what, what did but what did you give up for Dobbs? Uh, you gave up fifth, but at a somewhat desperate time because you didn't have much Team in, in, in a COVID year. I mean, okay. but nobody's desperate right now. You just had yeah. the draft. You can pick up undrafted free agents. So yeah. nobody's nobody's desperate at this moment. I'm just and, saying. And I'm not saying you have to be desperate to go get Gardner Minshew, but you're not. You, the Jags have. You're really. The Jags are in a less leveraged situation, knowing that they now have four quarterbacks on the roster and a guy yeah. that probably wants out of there in, in any kind of trade scenario that would involve Gardner Mitchum. My I'm guess is they it. tried to trade him, like, or, or people called about him, I, I would assume. I don't know where his fit is. And you and I kind of, we're, we're Minshew fans. Like, yeah. I would, I, again, if they went to C.J. Beathard for a reason, they, they looked into Alex Smith for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have – I mean, no, in fact, I know what. I'd rather have Gardner Minshew out there than C.J. Beathard in a game. Like, I really would. 
I don't know about you, but I would. Yeah, I think it'd be close, especially at that price tag, too, for Minshew. But it said and volumes that they don't plan on doing that, right? And yeah. they wouldn't. They don't believe that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I have a hard time to believe that you can't get at least a fifth round pick for a guy who has two more two more years left on a rookie contract and has a lot of playing experience. Can you get a fifth round pick for that guy? Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, maybe Houston will deal something. Well, but Houston's got Tyron now. I mean, they got. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't sure. Know. They got Taylor and they got Davis Mills and yeah. whatever's going on with uh, Watson. Yeah. So. I don't know where the landing spot is for him. I, I don't know, but I Denver? also don't. I'm a little surprised he's still on the yeah. roster at this when, point. When Aaron Rodgers doesn't come to Denver, yeah, go ahead and give the Jaguars a call. There or when go. Aaron Rodgers does go to Denver, Green Bay gives a call. Yeah, that's a good point too. Don't <laughs> Brent, don't don't say Nathaniel Hackett. Although Brent, Hackett wouldn't have been you, here. You have point. endorsements for coming to Wisconsin. Would Hackett don't have be been here that. with Minshew? Was no. there an overlap here? No, no, no. I okay. think so. No, that wouldn't no. have been the case. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think that's fat. What is going to happen with Gardner Minshew to me is still very intriguing. Is they get to the season on this roster and, and then there's a decision to be made? I don't know. Uh, still kind of hoping the best works out uh, for Gardner Minshew, but As it doesn't do seem like it is here in no, Jacksonville. There's, there's better places to be right now for Gardner Minshew, let's yeah. be honest. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. I was a perfect fit. You know, uh, although he went 15, I think that, you know, sometimes. I'm not talking about him. You know, sometimes it's, it's better for a player to wait to go to the right team than, than, you know, go high and go to the wrong team. I think that was a great fit for him. Very smart. Can operate within the offense, obviously. Was surrounded with some great players. Steve Sarkeesian did a good job, made some great decisions. His mobile can, can avoid the rush. You know, he's a lot like Joe. I mean, he's very similar to Joe Burrow. It's very interesting the context we're getting some of these sound bites today, Coos. I mean, that's Eddie O. It's Ed Orgeron. Of course. Yeah. But of he's course. talking about Mac Jones. Oh, he's that's about Mac was? Jones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea, sir. What well, was that on? Do you know what show it was on? Uh, ESPN Draft Radio. So I guess it was just the coverage oh, of the draft. okay. So he was helping. I get it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. That but still, sense. it's. It, I, I saw that and I was like, first, I think this is going to throw the guys because they're going to know it's. <laughs> but they're not going to know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that makes I, that makes sense. So he was actually kind of from an analyst view, um, the college uh, of the college game. Brett Morton, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday. Jags draft in the books. Hey, who has to watch out real quick? I, I teased that earlier. The show, I want to get to it. I mean, who's on alert? Uh, we said C.J. Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, Cam Robinson, Jawan Taylor, I still think Tate and Brian. Taven Bryant, but they didn't draft. Did they draft anything that made? I mean, he was kind of already on alert. Sure, but the guy from USC, though. Yeah. Yeah. So another number, part of the numbers game. More depth. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Ooh. Um. I mean, maybe the blocking tight ends have to watch out a little bit for (laughs) more blocking tight ends. Well, listen. The the bottom line Uh is, Mitchu, we just talked about, kind of falls in the category, but he's been put on alert since like. January. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I think what's fascinating is we talk Cam Robinson, Cam Robinson, and Walker Little, maybe he goes to the left side and that's where he, he's going to live uh, and he takes Cam Robinson's spot. Mm-hmm. But a guy like I have been high on and probably a little wrong on to this point, and I'm hoping he starts to deliver is Jawan Taylor. And Taylor could be a somebody else that, hey, at least this first year, if Cam Robinson's playing well, they want to find a spot for a guy like Walker Little go play over there on the right side. Yeah. So, I think both those tackles, after giving up, and the numbers are ridiculous about the sacks that the tackles gave up. 
Yeah. Depending on which numbers you look at, anywhere between 16 and 18 sacks for Jawan Taylor. Now, again, some of the Minshew stuff, people put that on him because he's running around a little bit. Uh, again, the numbers just jump out at you from the tackle perspective. So let me ask I think you this. Both those guys are on alert. Well, let me ask you this. What about LaVisca Chenault? Because keep in mind, like Urban Meyer did his due diligence. He watched the film. He evaluated the talent. What was Urban Meyer's biggest thing in the first round? He said that fell, you know, that fell out of his lap. It was Kadarius Tony. Yeah. And like he was very adamant he wanted Kadarius Tony. Is that a reflection on LaVisca Chenault? Then I get it. Different type players. But kind of asking them to do the same thing every once in a while. What about LaVisca Chanel? That's an interesting one. Uh, we kind of seem to like LaVisca Chanel. I think the fan base likes LaVisca Chanel. LaVisca Bingo. We're not going to play Kadarius Bingo anytime soon. Yeah, but yeah. could have maybe. Or maybe it's ETN Bingo. Uh, yeah. but I like LaVisca Bingo, man. I think uh, it's an, listen, it's not a foregone conclusion. Urban, Bevel, and Schottenheimer. Like Chenault, like the last staff liked him, or like we like him. Sure. They didn't pick him. And you always have to be careful of that, right? Those, those that weren't picked by this regime. So I think that's a fair point. I, I just think the physical nature of him. I know speed doesn't come at it, as it but the physical nature of novels feel like every coach would love that. <laughs> we tell, hey, the guy squats like 500 pounds. I want that guy as a wide receiver. Yes, sir. Please. It's not like he's that slow either. I, I, he ran a 4 8 at the combine. I do think if uh, a guy like Colin Johnson has to try to make a name for himself here soon, you well, know, because six foot six helps. Well, you have a lot of bodies now, and even a, a guy like Jalen Camp coming yeah. in the sixth round, he could have a chance to outperform you, sneak some playing time, and you're only going to keep about usually five guys up on the receivers, so you run out of room there in a hurry. Uh, so I would think he has to perform, you know, start to produce. And there were some bright spots last year from him. There were some moments. But I think those two tackles, obviously, Minshew. You You'd feel like James Robinson's on alert at all based off the ETN? I don't. I'm, no, but, I mean, you're going to be on a, a little bit of alert because it shows what they think about you. I mean, and how could you not be on alert? I just alert? feel like he's going to be used totally different. And there's this enough. Is, I mean, I, I don't want James Robinson 94% of the load okay. this well, year. I'm I don't just want saying. That. I see where he's coming from. If I felt the same way, we brought a 12-year-old kid to replace me for a couple days. <laughs> he's 14. But I would have thought N- that, too. Nevertheless. See, listen, you had a hell of a lot more to worry about with the 14-year-old than James Robinson has to worry about with ETN. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. And uh, back at it tomorrow, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 at 3 p.m. Have a good night, everybody.